You're listening to the Tony Stewart Podcast, where Tony interviews financial literacy advocates who are changing the conversation on money, so you can catch up on the latest trends and ideas in the world of financial literacy and education. Welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. I'm pleased to be joined today by Margarita Chen. Rita is the Chief Executive Officer at Blue Ocean Global Wealth. In this episode, we'll be discussing the importance of always placing your client's interests above all else. Rita, welcome to the Tony Stewart Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you, and I'm excited uh, for this conversation. So as we start out, is you know, please share with us about what is your origin story? How did you get started in financial wellness? Well, I think I was always destined to be a financial planner. I'm the eldest of three girls, and my dad felt that everybody needs to know about money. My dad was a little bit direct. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, this isn't for boys. This isn't for girls. Everybody needs to know about money. So he wanted me to learn about money. He also wanted me to learn about cars. He also wanted me to learn about tech. We didn't get to home improvement, but I like to think I'm pretty good at those top three. Well, that's definitely enough to keep you busy, you know, uh, and that your dad created that kind of impression. You, you know, one of the things I've been impressed about is, you know, for our watchers and listeners, we'll be providing links so you can connect with Rita and follow her. But Rita does, you know, a few things and keeps busy, um, you know, but I love your personal mantra is, you know, you state that so many people spend their health to gain wealth and then have to spend their wealth to regain their health. Is Why, why is that so important to you? So this is really important to me because I have asthma and I actually didn't receive my formal diagnosis till I was 15. I developed asthma as a result of complication childhood pneumonia. So one time I had a boss who said to me, he said, Rita, you're very, very productive. I was like already working 50 hours a week. He's like, what happens if you work 60? And I told him, I was like, I don't think I can, not because I want to, but I I feel that it is not the quantity of the hours I'm working, but the quality. Those 50 hours that I'm giving, I'm giving them my all. But those next 10 hours could actually work against me because it means I'm going to sleep less or maybe exercise less. And as someone who has asthma, like I am more susceptible to respiratory um, illness. And I think that when I presented that to him, he's like, I don't know what to say with that. That's pretty profound. And so that's what I realized. It is pretty profound. So many people spend their health to gain wealth and then have to spend their wealth to regain their health. My daddy's so wise. He told me, you know what? Your health is your wealth. And I do believe it every day. And I just want my clients uh financial wellness, you know, um, I want them to have good health, a reasonable amount of wealth, time, and the last thing, amor, friends, family, community, to enjoy it all. So that's what I'm, the wellness journey is all about. Yeah, I, I think it's important, you know, I mean, the other thing that I've heard too from other people is, you know, the concern is that you retire you're 60 years old, 70 years old, and you're not in great health, and then you can't enjoy your money as well. So, so taking care of yourself is 
so important in this, uh, you know, we're, we're all striving so hard and working so many hours to do so many things is that it's great that you've already found the balance and that you take that into account, you know, with your clients and working with them. Have you found some of your clients have been surprised that you place an emphasis like that on healthcare and taking care of their health? Well, I think that you you are who you are and you attract that. So I had a client, or I still have her. She will turn 78 years. She'll be turned 78 this year. And when she was like 74, she told me, she's like, I have two bikes, Rita. I have a mountain bike and I have a city bike. And I love biking. And I just like to step up my fitness game. You know, I have three sources of guaranteed income. And I hired a personal trainer to help me with strength training. She's lifting weights three times a week. So I think my clients appreciate that this is truly a judgment-free zone. I want them to spend money and time on what it is that brings them joy, what it is that they value. Yeah, I think that's so important. That's such a great point. And I, I love the point you bring out about being judgment-free is, you know, I mean, we, we've both been in financial services for a few years. Is, you know, do you feel that financial services transitioning to place more of an emphasis on being judgment-free? Are you seeing that kind of change? see that and I've seen it with my clients and some of the reasons why people have hired me they say we like how you really listen to us and you understand what's important to us uh these are clients talking to me retirement is really important but we both work really long hours and we like traveling we are willing to drive an older car and maybe economize on clothing but when it comes to travel the reason why we enjoy traveling is that's the time we have as a family and a couple and we really like how you take the time to understand our priorities and our values and our values and our priorities so i do think that the financial advice profession is evolving. Yeah, that's great. I, I think people are are starting to take a look at incorporating values. We do hear that quite often as, you know, like, let's let's think about our clients. And I know that's something that's important to you is your client's interests. And that is something, you know, I was hoping to discuss a little bit is, you know, why is it important for members of the financial services industry to place your clients' interests above all else. I know that's important to you. Well, sure. So there's this suitability standard, which means that you are doing things that are suitable. They are not illegal, but they're suitable. And that's a base standard. But when you are placing your client's interests ahead of yours and above everything else, you're a fiduciary. And why is this important? Trust. People mm -hmm. do business with those they like and trust. So when you are client centric, you are clients are putting trust in you and they feel comfortable and you're creating a safe space. Yeah, I mean, so you know, why do you feel sometimes advisors don't take that perspective with their clients to understand that they're in a position of trust? Um what are you saying? How can advisors think about this differently? Well, I know. So I think I'm one of those people who's truly right brain and left brain. I graduated with double degrees 
East Asian language and literature, and finance. So I can have someone who comes to me and says, you know what, Rita, I really don't understand this. It's kind of overwhelming. It's intimidating. I don't want you to talk down to me. I don't want you to talk over to me, because can you explain this to me in a way that makes sense? And I do think because I'm right brain and left brain, I have the ability to do that. I also can get someone who's total driver, um, somebody who's really analytic as well. Why does this chart look like this? And I can explain to them about standard deviation. I can even do the calculations on my HP12C. Um, I think that the reason why this is hard for people is sometimes we are not necessarily, and this, this is evolving and this is changing, we're taught to focus on the technical skills. And I don't like it when people say soft skills because there's nothing soft or easy about these um, other types of conversations, but it's really important. You can't do comprehensive financial planning unless you take the time to understand the client's unique personal and financial circumstances. So I can quantify that further. You're doing a retirement plan for somebody. I think about my mommy and daddy. My mommy and daddy are four, 14 years apart. Imagine if I just, if, if someone developed a plan and just looked at their assets, right? So you're on track. But what people don't know is my grandma, my mommy's mom, lived to be 94. This is really important to ask this qualitative information. Because when my daddy retired at the age of 60, my mom was 46. Remember, I said her mom lived to be 94. My mom could spend almost 50 years in retirement. So to be a fiduciary and do what's in the best interest of the client, it is important to know these details. And you don't have to do it in a prying, offensive manner. So tell me a little bit about your family. Um, if you don't mind me asking. And the other thing is, I also think it's important to give people a way out. You know, if you don't know the answer, no one's asked you that. You could just say you don't know. Um, you also can let people know that as their needs change, their goals can change and their goals will change as their needs change. And so we do need to be strategic but we also need to convey to our clients that their financial plan is dynamic as they are and as dynamic as their lives are. So, so we have strategy, but we also want to take the time to um, pivot, adjust, modify. Yeah, I, I, wow, there's so many great things in there that you just covered. But yeah, I think that's so important is, you know, as an advisor's, one is recognizing that clients are dynamic and unique and there's no certain set of circumstances. Um, and that the more you listen to what the clients are saying and what their fact pattern is, you know, is the better you can serve them. Uh, the other reason I laughed is because I use my HP12C when I'm doing analysis work as well. <laughs> and I know so many other people do. So shout out to HP on the 12C. <laughs> It's still, still there. Uh, so that's great. Um, so, you know, one of the things that you touched on before and I want to walk back to is, you know, about the emotions and the fact that financial planning is tied into emotions. So why is effective financial planning effectively emotionally complicated? 
So effective financial planning can be emotionally complicated because money um, is complicated. Money is very sensitive and money means different things to different people based on our experiences, based on our upbringing. Um, to some people, money means security. To others, it means um, love or peace of mind. So I can be, I can share an example. So for someone who associates money with love and they're overspending, you know, to tell them to stop spending, maybe they are spending money to um, support their grandchildren in higher education or music lessons. It's not enough to tell people stop spending, but we have to seek first to understand what money means to them. And that can help get a better outcome. You know, for my dad and my grandma who fled China with the clothes on their back, my dad told me this, he's like, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but money does bring opportunities. And whatever you do, you don't wanna squander those opportunities for loved ones. For my grandma, she always emphasized education because that's what brought her children to America. They were able to pursue higher education, have better paying jobs. So for her, education was not an expense. It was an investment. That's great. Actually, I was taking notes there. Money doesn't bring happiness. It brings opportunity. That is just fantastic wisdom right there. Um, you, you know, and I, I think that's important for people to realize that is for our clients is to walk, and to walk back to some of the things that you talked about earlier is, that, you know, that's what clients are trying to achieve. And I think those are the signals or messages that clients try to give advisors sometimes and advisors don't always tune into that, um, what their clients are really trying to accomplish. Um, you know, so do you have any advice on, you know, how advisors can pivot, you know, to really becoming more in tune with their clients and what their clients are trying to achieve? Sure. The first thing I would say is recognize that we all have a money scripts. Like sometimes I admit I can be, and this isn't a bad thing. I am a very generous person, but sometimes I can be really frugal with myself um, to the point where Sometimes it, I put myself in a dangerous situation. I didn't hurt anybody. Example, this parking garage was not accepting credit card or debit card payments. They wanted cash. And I was not going to go to the ATM around the corner. I ended up walking like, I don't know, eight blocks to go to CVS to buy a pack of gum and water so I didn't pay the debit fee. So I learned my lesson that I always probably should have cash and that probably wasn't a good decision. So the takeaway is recognize the biases you have. We all have them um, and understand that there's nothing wrong with having biases. The most important thing is to be aware of them and um, learn from them. So in this case, my uh, bias was, you know what? I am not wasting money, taking money out of an ATM that is out of my network. 
So I got my smartphone out and I was like, where can I get cash? Now, that's a little bit extreme. And I learned my lesson that, you know what? I probably should always have like 40 bucks in my wallet. (laughs) Not 100% cashless yet. Correct. (laughs) But, you know, I, I think you bring up a really compelling point because I think sometimes, you know, we concentrate on the small things. And may overlook the bigger things with our financial life. Um, But the small things can become very important to clients. And we as advisors, when we're giving our clients advice, we have to respect that. So while it may not make much sense when we go read it, you know, if you were my client, where I might say, hey, you know, you're in these two funds and you can save a little bit here, is that may not be the issue to you in that moment that's saving that debit fee was what was important to you. It wasn't whether or not you could afford the debit fee. It, it was that that was a priority to you. And I think that's what's so compelling is that we have to be able to understand that that's what's important to our clients. Just like that's what was important to you, that it's not about anything else. It's just, it's who you are and where you were at that time and you may not be in that same place the next time you go to that garage you may be willing to pay the debit fee or you may decide hey i'm going to walk around the corner again because i'm not going to well, pay see, it. this is so this is what's interesting about that story and i can expand upon that the reason why i felt it was just criminal criminal to pay the debit fee is my dad told me growing up don't spend money on the dark don't waste money on fines or fees so i felt an ethical dilemma. I'm like, you know what? I want this to be convenient. But I was told, you know, don't squander waste money. That's why I walked like eight blocks. Not that eight blocks is a lot. I walk fast. Um, But I was like, you know what? Like that just seems, I can't squander the money. So it was based on my money scripts and my money buys, but my way of like knowing how to handle something like this is, you know, in the future, Rita, no matter where you are, you probably should always have 40 bucks. You know, we're not cashless yet. Yeah. Now, and that's a wonderful story. And, you know, and, and you really go to the heart of it. It's how you grew up, how you experienced money, as a child, which you learned about it, and that still has an impact on how you think about your money. And I think that's something that's, that's one, it's important for people when they're talking to their financial advisors or thinking about their personal money is to recognize that, hey, some of the decisions you're making may be influenced by non-rational factors, um, you know, outside that decision in itself. So that's such a compelling story. I love it. Um, you know, so, um, you know, as we wrap up is, you know, what is your number one tip on how we can change the way we think about money? I think the number one way that how we can think about money is this is what my dad said. Money is for spending. Either you're going to spend it Someone is going to spend it. If you're not here to spend it, someone will spend it when you're gone. Now, there's a difference between spending and squandering. So um, remember, money may not buy happiness, but it brings opportunities and don't squander. So money is a tool and we need to be able to use it wisely. And it's important to talk about money in a way that's 
relevance and and age appropriate. And I think when we can break down these barriers, clients feel a lot more comfortable. So one client was really scared. She worked so hard to pay off her credit card debt. She said to me, Rita, I need new tires and I feel bad. My credit card was almost paid off, but I got a flat tire and I decided that it probably was better to buy three and get the fourth one free. She definitely needed one new tire and usually don't just buy one, you buy two. And I told her that, listen, it's um, winter time and your safety and well-being are really important. So this was really helpful. She wasn't like looking to me for approval, but she just wanted to know that, hey, is it okay? I know I paid my card down, but now I got this charge on here and it was for her safety and well-being and I know that she's going to you know benefit from having those new tires on the road as we um although I know it hasn't been that cold this winter but that wasn't the point it's just creating this space for that healthy dialogue yeah that's so important you know to create that space for a healthy dialogue this has been fantastic Rita I really appreciate you sharing all your wisdom with us and your time um you know so where can people learn more about you where they can they pick up your book and follow you and your work well sure so my websites are blueoceanglobalwealth.com that's the corporate sites and if you want to read a little bit more about me you can go to margaritachang.com and then I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. Fantastic. And for our watchers and listeners, like always, I'll put um, the links to Rita's um, website and social media channels in the show notes. So you can definitely um, reach out and follow her and pick up a copy of her book. Um, Rita, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and thank you everybody for tuning in. Until next time.